Hello, and welcome to the Overland Journal podcast. I am your host, Scott Brady. And I'm joined today by my co-host, Matt Scott. In today's podcast, we talk about the year 2022. As the year comes to an end, we reflect back on the significant innovations that have happened within the Overland industry, some of the shakeups, and unfortunately, some of the losses that we've had as a community. We also talk about the gear that we've really fallen in love with and the vehicles that we've also built out for our own travels. So please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation about 2022 with Matt and me. This content is brought to you by Overland Journal, our premium quality print publication. The magazine was founded in 2006 with the goal of providing independent equipment and vehicle reviews, along with the most stunning adventures and photography. We care deeply about the countries and cultures we visit and share our experiences freely with our readers. We also have zero advertorial policy and do not accept any advertiser compensation for our reviews. By subscribing to Overland Journal, you're helping to support our employee-owned and veteran-owned publication. Your support also provides resources and funding for content like you are watching or listening to right now. You can subscribe directly on our website at overlandjournal.com. All right, Matt. We're talking about 2022 we, in 2023. We are. Yeah. So it's... We're going uh, back in time. It's for first couple of weeks of 23. 2019 was great. 2020 was like, what happened? 2021 was like the entire industry was holding onto its you know, shoelaces. And then now... now uh, we're here. Yeah, we're here. And travel is now opening back up again. Yeah, pretty in much. Mo- in most ways, unless you want to cross... Russia, which would probably be a little complicated. You know what? Like, and having I, cross Russia, I don't know that it would be high on my list. I again. really want to do the Trans-Siberian Railway. That would be worthwhile. And every time that I'm like, like that was one of the things I really wanted to do during the pandemic. You know, we I think you know we all sat at home for the most part, and we're like, oh well, where are we going to go when things open back up? Yeah, sure. And I've always wanted to do the Trans-Siberian Railway, and every time I get close to doing it. <laughs> Russia invades someone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I want to come to your country because there's such a, a, a wealth of history there. Absolutely. That has been basically, for our generations, blocked. There's all this wonderful history of literature and art. And yes. Like, I I mean, you've been to St. And, and the people are wonderful. I mean, St. Petersburg, beautiful city. What's the museum in St. Petersburg? The um, starts with an H. Hermitage. Hermitage, yeah. Yeah, totally want to go. Yeah, it's great. Let's open up the borders and let's let in tourists and let's all have a good time. A couple oligarchs don't get to yeah, they were, have their new toys. They were issuing 10-year visas and you could oh, actually yeah. go and multiple yeah, yeah. entry stuff. Well, so yeah, that's how 2022 started for most people was uh, a very inconvenient war that drove up gas prices, made overland travel even harder, started crashing the economy. So we've covered that. Where do we go from there? Well, I think that... 2022, I mean, it's just good to look back on the year. I mean, we, as an overland industry, we lost Bill Swales of Earthroamer. Yep. For me personally, he was a good friend. He helped us start Overland Journal as a magazine. 
He founded Earth Roamer as a company. He was featured in Four Wheeler Magazine on a regular basis, which yeah, is another one with is, that Ram he had. That's right. He had a Ram. It was his first Earth Roamer. And that's another loss that we have in 2022 is the end of Four Wheeler Magazine. This was for me when I would read the stories of Bill Swales or Gary Amano Coescott of the, of the Turtle Expedition. These were formative stories for me. And four-wheeler was always a little bit more thoughtful, a little bit more travel oriented. And it's the end of an era. I mean, there are very few off-road magazines left. And that is simply because the industry has definitely shifted towards overlanding. So fortunately, like Overland Journal is a publication, we're doing great and we continue to grow yeah. because the industry is growing. But it's sad to see four-wheeler. But off-roading is growing too. And I, I in certain ways, yeah, just n- not not, to, not in that way. Yeah. They had a lot of redundancy in titles. You know, the magazine has got thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner, and the ad percentages seem to just go up and up. And it seemed like a lot of recycled content towards the end. And, you know, they had huge distribution and I, they had really great people. I mean, they had Sean freaking Holman. Exactly. Like yeah, total like, talent, huge talent. And, you know, that dude would have done anything, but it just felt like he was in handcuffs or something. It seemed like it. Um, yep. Because there's no reason that he couldn't have made that work if, if, if allowed to. And I think he made it work a lot longer than anybody thought was possible. You know, and I don't know. Sean, I mean, Sean will go on to do great. Yeah. Things, Sean's you know. a stellar talent in the industry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah. You know, and then personally, you know, I lost my mom and yeah. uh, that happened in January of 22. And I look back and my mom was always the one that liked to know what was over the next horizon. You know, both of my parents were always so encouraging of me doing whatever it is that that I liked. But my mom always had that creative spark. Yeah. She was an artist and her dad was a chief warrant officer in the Marines and they traveled around the world. They lived in Guam and they traveled all over the yeah. place. She loved that was your able, spark. Yeah, she be she loved to be able to do that and she was always such an encouragement of me traveling. So for me personally, of course that's a huge loss and for those that are listening, when you lose a parent, it really does start to shift your perspective in some ways and it just makes me all the more grateful for the time that I spend with people that I love. Uh, doing things that I love yeah. uh, makes me even less interested in the stuff. So you know, for me, that was a pretty formative change. And I'm just so proud of my family for, for how we've all come together. So, yeah. but uh, yeah, you know, that was a big change for me. And then of course, in 2022, we also lost the Land Cruiser. So like, you know, yeah. 2022 <laughs> was not a great uh, year for North America in any way. Overlanding, we have more and more solutions and you listen to Toyota and you listen to the executives at Toyota say that we're all in on overlanding. That is a direct quote from the VP of marketing for Toyota North America. We are all in on overlanding and yet they removed the most significant overlanding model, which is the Land Cruiser from the lineup. I, it just couldn't compete in the US market, yeah. right? I mean, it was an expensive vehicle. It was, But it was, it was a vehicle that the expense came in durability and quality, not short-term what's hot now kind of yeah, thing. I mean, sure. like Americans bought more convertible Ferraris than Land Cruisers. Like whenever I talk to Australian companies and they're like, oh yeah, you know, cause obviously like I, I, I import stuff for a living. It's well, yeah, Land Cruiser this and Land Cruiser this. And I'm like, dude, like there's no market for it. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, we sell 
50,000 a year. I'm like, well, we buy more convertible Ferraris than we do Land Cruisers. <laughs> yeah, and that is sure. not a fat, that is not a joke. Look it up. But we do get the LX 600. So it's the Lexus version of the Land Cruiser. That and that has is actually, like the Bane mask yeah, on the front. I know. Yeah. I mean, it, the, the Lexus design language that applies to their cars, which I think is very personal choice. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, but it does not translate. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they have some models that are a little bit better. But, 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 but like, like, I know people say, like, we have the LX 600. I'm like, yeah, well, who cares? <laughs> Honestly, like, I like, I like it. It, it makes it sense. Drives nice. Like, the LX, yeah, like, it drives nice. It, it has great underpinnings, but you have to rip off so much of that vehicle. That's true. That you're taking now what is a $100,000 plus vehicle with labor and parts and everything these days. You're looking at a $120,000, $130,000 vehicle to get something that, yeah, and Sorry, you won't can, rip it spoiler off on a curb. Now we have things like the Grenadier. So yeah, but like we have gladiators and we have Grenadiers and we have all kinds of other great vehicles that are other they, options. They are talking so. about the 300 coming back. I thought there was some news and some rumors. Is, I saw some lots stuff of on rumors. Lots Roman of rumors. from TFL kind of had a little scoop on that. There's lots of rumors. I think what we're going to see is uh, an even more capable version of future forerunners. Toyota has a huge network of platforms that they can draw on to build interesting cars. 2022 so. is almost like, I mean, this is maybe controversial, but like, is it the downturn of Toyota? Like, think about it. The Tundra launches to major problems. I mean, I think it's the first time Consumer Reports didn't recommend the Tundra. Yeah. And they, for, they forgot to put tow hooks on the front of it. Yeah. It's like, like, they'll, they'll, it's like, there's no excuse that you can come up with where that makes sense. Period. Yeah, it's like, it's just a mistake. They'll get it right. But like the Forerunner, like the Forerunner literally hasn't changed. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, are we at a decade? I mean, oh, they did a, they did a, they did a new that. headlight in 2000. Yeah, more than it were more 15? than a we're more than a decade. They're reliable. There's a good aftermarket support for That's them. Right. They're a great choice, but the whole product line is long in the tooth. I mean, the Tacoma is just a redesigned yeah, got previous a, generation. Yeah, and it got a new engine, but yeah, the chassis and the suspension architecture. Ooh, I was skiing this week and I saw a prototype in Arizona of the new Ram, not half ton. I guess it'd be medium. Mid-size. Mid-size, yeah. I mean, heavily camouflaged. You couldn't see it, anything other than it was a heavily camouflaged. Clearly, it was a, a, a Stellantis product because it was flanked by all of the Stellantis vehicles with manufactured plates. One of the most heavily camouflaged vehicles I've seen since, I guess, since going back to the Gladiator. But you could tell a little bit more raked back windshield. It wasn't a Gladiator. That yeah, but they have the Gladiator platform to draw from. But from I guess that's make a mid-size. 20. That's 2023, and I'm being naughty. We should go back to 2022. <laughs> yeah, so I think, I mean, and 2022 is definitely the year of, of, and so is 21, of overlanding, and it continues to grow. Toyota says we're all in on overlanding. GM is now GM all, is the one that's all making in, the biggest strides. All in on overlanding, and they're making, like, all of these really honest vehicles. Like, you can go buy an AEV GMC. Like, this is crazy. Like, it's, yeah. you know, steel bumpers. Full-size truck. Full-size truck winch capable multimatic suspension front and rear lockers 33 inch tall tires rock slider i mean it's like it's really there's cool. nothing there's nothing like it i really i had no idea there were that many off-road enthusiasts at gm but they are there and they're very vocal again this is this is where it makes the difference is they start the at4 lineup they sell like crazy it actually starts to outpace the denali line and they realize like, oh my gosh, we have to make more off-road capable yeah. vehicles because people buy them. 
So they're realizing that and we're seeing a lot. I mean, more they're the options. company that's all in on overlanding. Yeah. I would also just compliment Toyota on like supporting people like like X Overland. Yeah. Who they're super legit overland travelers. They care about the industry. They started when the industry started. Toyota is supporting big expeditions for X Overland, which I think is just something to be complimented on. The Sequoia is low and wide, so it is meant for barge-like activities, but it is very easy to lift and yeah. and put 35 on. No, I mean, I think it looks good. Stuff, I think so. the TRD Pro one, it looks really good. I think it's cool that they're doing that. But Yeah, they're going to crush it with that. That's a really great model. That's a, I think that they got out of the gate with a, with a good solution on that. But again, we're- The thing is, like, you can make a change, but like these nameplates, you know, yeah. if they would have called that something different- all of a sudden, it has a, a a different image that comes to mind. Maybe I, I think because why, why did you buy? Sequoias, why did this? Why do people buy Sequoias? Why did they buy them? Is because it was a seven passenger Toyota. Yeah. But, but then why you look will, over. Why will and they it's buy like? Them? Gee, I wish I could have afforded the Land Cruiser. It's yeah. like buying the Cayman as a nine eleven. You know, like Jeremy Clarkson's kind of said that as like it just seemed like a weird price point kind of well you can't buy a land cruiser anymore yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. and they significantly improved the sequoia it's a much better vehicle and it's got a lot of aftermarket support right out of the gate so they're going to they're going to do really well with that but they need to make sure that the next vehicles that they come out with are the same kind of from the previous sequoia to the current one it's such a huge leap in huge performance and, and desirability and attractiveness like everything across the board it's just a way better yeah. vehicle um, and hopefully Toyota continues to do that in in my mind. But across the board, you've got m- entire manufacturers, huge manufacturers, GM and Toyota, the two largest OEMs in the world. And they are both wanting to make a lot of overland vehicles. So yeah. it's pretty exciting. The Bronco Raptor is crazy cool. That's another new one, I guess, for 2022. Yeah. I, I haven't driven that one yet. I drove it. I drove it. It is not fair for me to be negative at all about that vehicle because yeah. it has a very unique application that does not align with it's like any, an off-road Huni vehicle. Yeah, it doesn't align with any of my values or my interests. I did like, and I do like the Bronco. So mm-hmm. there are versions of the Bronco that I find very attractive and would even drive and own. Uh, that is not the one. So it's just. I think that the like the the wild track. I mean, there's like twelve different Broncos. Yeah, exactly. Get. It's hard to say. Some of them just like already are aging really bad. I think like the 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 one the wheel wells are too big for most of the models that people are buying. I think they're. I think they're got all, a bone to pick with Bronco. I think they're awesome. So yeah. I I really like them. I just don't. This is probably the best way for me to describe it is that we have consumer available vehicles that are intended to be driving driven at speeds that the consumer is not trained properly to do Mm. and that public roads never intended for them to drive the speed limit in the national forest is 25 miles an hour i actually didn't know that 25 miles an hour that's the speed limit on a national forest road I am a felon in that. <laughs> well, and so am I. It's I have not, gone twenty-seven. It, well, it's an hour. Not, it, and and I and I do drive faster than I should at times, but we have to be really mindful of the fact that we have also a responsibility. We have to tread lightly. We have to be careful with other people that are on the trail. People are out walking their dogs. They're riding bicycles. Uh, there's grandparents driving around, and you know, in their Tacoma, and here comes this the typical Raptor buyer 
is not a qualified operator of a vehicle. Of course. So the cha- that's a challenge. It's a challenge. So I and that's that's not what this podcast is about, but it's really it really is a concern for me. Yeah. So I'm I'm a little careful about promoting those kinds of vehicles because the manufacturer doesn't take any responsibility about educating the consumer of their responsibilities when they use a vehicle that that's that's that fast. Power is great, but knowing how to use it and when to use it. I mean, like that TRX I had, I think it was mental. I mean, yeah. It was it was crazy. It was yeah. crazy fun. The problem is, like, I think we're in this age of like go fast overlanding. Yeah, not go fast campers. Like, but, but like my my overland truck has to be a rock crawler, a Baja one thousand truck. The, the cool thing about doing all that stuff to your truck is that you don't actually have to spend any energy traveling anywhere. So that's the that's the dichotomy of today is that yeah. we have this enormous amount of energy that is spent and money that is spent on stuff and accessories and this this impression of capability mm. and no one gets training and no one actually travels anywhere or very few do but that will shift that's common to I think the, the brakes are consumer. already at, at the middle to the end of 2022 yeah I think we started to see the brakes get put on that yeah you know like this unbridled spending in, yeah. in the industry you know it all of a sudden I mean like I I go back to when I started working for you in 2010, 2011, it was like, if you had a new car, that was just like, oh my gosh. Like, it was unheard of. It was unheard of. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with spending money on your vehicle. Uh, and you know, we can maybe talk about, these are some of the, the philosophical considerations that I had after 2022, is that in our life, we're trying to balance wealth and we're trying to balance experiences and we're trying to balance our time. We're trying to balance our health. And I think anytime those things get out of balance, mm. that you end up with this very dysfunctional result. So there's nothing wrong with buying accessories for your vehicle. But if you're spending more money on the vehicle and the accessories than you do on the experiences, then that will be something you will regret later on in life. It, and it just it always remains true of all the people I talk to. And I, you know, I've met a lot of just wonderful people through this community. Yep. But I wish I had the money to travel. It's like something that so many people say. Yep. And then I look at you add up what they've spent and I'm like, geez, like, well, you do have the money to travel. You just need to prioritize it. That's right. Right. And I and I do see this trend starting to happen of less extravagant vehicles. Yeah simpler vehicles. I'm like, I'm seeing a lot more crossovers. I'm seeing a lot more vans, things that enable people to get out. And it's like the, I I feel like the, um, the guys that had the Honda civics with the wings that all of a sudden had kids and got into overlanding. They're now like they're, they're onto the next thing. It's it's just a trend and it's left the core people that actually want to go and, and, and do stuff. And I, and I have to wonder if that's not going to be better for everybody. I think it will. I think that people are becoming more aware of, of just being, you know, honest with themselves about what they really want. But if you look back at like a, a Dan Grek that he leaves Canada in his two door soft top Jeep, and he drives all the way down to the end of South America. Well, we all want to be Dan Grek. Exactly. Because the guy, he went and had the experiences and People say, I wish I had more money. Well, would you trade places with Warren Buffett today? He's worth $100 billion. Would you trade places with Warren Buffett today? (laughs) Most people are going to say no because the guy has an expiration date that's coming up quickly. He's 91, 92 years old. Mm. How much of that $100 billion can he actually enjoy at that stage in life? At the end of the day, 
all we really have is time and experiences with the people that we want to do things with. And if we're willing to give up time, because every time you buy something, you've had to trade some of your time that you worked for it. So how much of my time am I willing to trade for this gadget? Or how much of my time am I willing to trade for something that is just a signaling device um, as opposed to actually having an experience? That's why you and I like to go and go do things. We, we want to go have experiences. I started, I started so, like doing things in the last year or two and just not telling people about them. Yeah, sure. You know, if it doesn't happen on Instagram, it, it didn't happen yeah. in, in this space sure, sometimes. Sure. You know, I encourage people to go camping and leave your camera. Turn your phone off. Yeah, that's, an, that's you know, a good idea. Figure that's out important. if you like it. I think that's a positive thing that I've seen is people are getting out and traveling and people are talking about where they want to go again. Yeah. Richard and Ashley, they're shipping their vehicle over to Europe and they're getting oh, they're ready to the travel. People in the world. Of course they are. So you've got all of these people that are saying, well, okay, we're going to go do this mm-hmm. and we're going to not. They chose to use the Tundra that they already had. Certainly could have waited and bought a more expensive vehicle and all that other stuff, but they said, we're going to go. Yeah. And I think that that's something that's really encouraging for me to see. So, yeah. And I also think that 2022 was kind of the year of tech within Overlanding For sure. too. So one of the most significant developments, and this personally affected me in so many positive ways, was the availability of mobile Starlink. So I spent my entire summer driving around in my AT4 with a scout camper. Scotty and got all boho chic on us. I, well, I just I like just camped out every night and and I could work and and the Starlink enabled me to be at 9,000 feet up in the aspen trees with not a soul in sight. And it I could do the work. It's such a cool technology. Yeah, it's and a it's going to continue to expand. Yep. You know, right at the end of last year, we also, you know, there's, I guess there's been three different Starlink dishes. There was round dishy. Yes. Which square yep, dishy. Yep. That's right. And now we have the, the mountable in motion high performance dish. That's, that's right. I guess is what they call that's it. Right. Which is still shit sitting in uh, in my garage that I need to install, but and they work on a sailboat and they work on an RV and they work on a you know whatever in motion as well. So the ability to do knowledge work remotely from like it's a whole so new de- cool. a whole new definition of remote. Yeah. So you're not just in the cabin where you've got still have internet connection. You're anywhere you want to be, and and that is it's it's so exciting for me. It's personally so exciting to and be it's, able it's to reliable that. technology yeah, I, too it's i use it every single day yeah and um you know where i live i've got starlink and when i travel i got Starlink. it's a different dish i got starlink and i use it every single day and it's incredibly reliable very little downtime yeah so yeah i mean i think that that has the i think like for van life like i think that that's gonna i think that the industry is going to continue to move more towards these live-in vehicles or off-road trailers or whatever because it's a paradigm shifter of all of a sudden i don't have to be i don't have to be sitting at home yeah and and you know people have been able to work remotely for a while you know with cellular based stuff but it was only so good like you noticed certain areas one of my favorite parts of the desert in arizona is around Wickenburg. It's this unique combination of a little bit higher of elevation. So it's a little bit cooler. You get the drainage from like Hacienda River. So it's pretty lush. There's like two or three places out there that, I mean, it's like tent city because there's a cell tower there. Yeah. Now, the last time I was down there, you know, and we're in that season of boondocking, which is awesome. People can go a little bit further. And I think that 
it will almost as as overlanding becomes more popular and I mean, not even just as overlanding as boondocking, RVing, yep. this this mobile lifestyle becomes more popular. It allows people to disperse a little bit more, which places less strain on very it, specific places. It totally does. Uh, like so for I, I've been traveling recently with this Explorer trailer. It's an X145. Oh, so that's the one that you were charging the. Yeah, I, char- I actually charged the tow vehicle. The I was towing it with a Rivian, yeah. I was able to charge the Rivian from the trailer. So 1,080 amp hours of lithium ion batteries. Huge. It's got a thousand watts of solar on it. And so, yeah, I, I pulled it out into a remote area outside of Wickenburg. It was absolutely stunning. Right along the, the boundary of a wilderness area, there's not a cell tower or cell reception in sight, which means there's no other people. And I set this thing up, got it leveled, and and I spent days working and just hiking, enjoying. It got rainy. The new trailers and the new campers are just awesome. I mean, this is this is definitely the most Scotty approved trailer I've, like ever, I've ever used. It's got the Cruise Master suspension underneath it from Australia. It's super robust platform, has a dry bath. So you can actually spend like weeks living out of the thing, which is kind of a game changer. You know, so. I love a dry bath. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just sometimes a wet toilet gets old. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just if you're going to go live remotely, yeah. sometimes you need a few creature comforts if you want to be working. So I choose to work remotely and and that is totally feasible for me. So I think that that's a big deal. Obviously, EVs are another huge development around technology. It's like the year that the EV started to get taken seriously. Yeah. 25,000 Rivians were produced in 2022. We drove them, drove both models. They provided us with no compensation. They're not an advertiser. But the Rivian R1T is just an amazing truck. The R1S the SUV, it's one of the finest SUVs I've ever driven of any kind. They're really good. Yeah, they're really, really they're good. They're good looking. Yep. As opposed to the Hummer. The Hummer obviously is like impressive performance and whatever. For me, the Rivians are just like, if I was to design an EV, it it's would the be the size what, of a first gen Tundra. It is. It's, which per, is it's perfect. Like, Yeah, it's perfect. And I love the love interior. It. It's like a Herman Miller chair on the inside. The design is very simple and elegant and they're very capable off-road. EVs, as far as I'm concerned, like we've got to remove this political stuff. The biggest mistake that's happened around EV was this whole regulation of of internal combustion vehicles in California. Mm. Like, like that is the worst thing that could ever happen to EVs because now people are going to feel like, why are you telling me what to buy? Which yeah, you cannot tell Americans what to do. Well, because it's also a bad idea. Yeah. Let the consumer choice dictate which products are going to be successful in the marketplace. When California did that, I'm, I'm sure if you like watched your home value on Zillow, it probably jumped yeah, immediately exactly. after that. You can really like internal combustion engines. Which I do. Yeah. And like electric cars. Of like, course. This whole EV hate thing is, it's just hilarious to me. But of course, you know, it, it's the way that people, well, people uh, have to be so polarized. A lot of times so polarized. people only read headlines. Yeah, sure. And then we get in, we, we're like victims of the algorithm, right? Mm-hmm. And people just get in it this feedback yeah, loop of, sure. of the same things. And I also think that a lot of the information that people are reading is, I'm not going to say inaccurate, but very outdated yeah. A lot of the things that people are saying about the lifespan of EV batteries and the recyclability and whatever, that was very true 
10 years ago. Yeah, it's no longer Five years ago. And it's going to, you think about it, the first version of the iPhone was pretty good. The current version of the iPhone is, it's amazing that it even exists. It does everything. I don't charge my battery anymore. Like I charge it at night and like. I know. And and so they're going to, they're going to resolve all this stuff around EVs. It's not going to be for everybody. But we were interested how they work. So we drove the Hummer over El Camino del Diablo, which is the longest. Which is an accomplishment. It's the the longest unsupported overland route in the 48 states. And then we drove the Rivian R1S to the most remote point that you can access on a dirt road in the United States. So to say that you can't overland an EV is obviously ridiculous. So you can come up with some obscure use case that nobody actually ever does that maybe an EV wouldn't do well at, but to me, it's just not a big, it's just not a big deal. The, infra- like, the infrastructure is a problem. Infra- well, yeah, exactly. So like, EVs are not the problem. The infrastructure is the problem. Another thing on the tech side is iPhone now has an SOS feature. So those who have a 14 Pro of any variety, you now have the ability to yeah. do SOS from your iPhone. So we're seeing more and more support for remote travel through yeah. the use of technology. So if you have a Starlink and an iPhone, you now have some redundancy around remote communication and it's just built into the phone that you use I never every day. thought about what that will do to like the necessity for inReach or the necessity for the spot devices. Like that was something that I hadn't really explored. Well, currently it's not a better solution because an inReach allows you to do non-emergency communications. Uh, so you can, you can, you know, update your family and have even make some decisions around work. There's a lot that can be done uh, from an inReach. Eventually, the phone will have two-way communication. I would be quick in my so, boots if that was my model. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But they're going to figure that stuff out too. We're going to see an inReach and a watch before we know it. So to be able to have a smartwatch from Garmin with an inReach capability built into it, mm. that's pretty awesome. You know, they're already working, Garmin and Android are already working together on a program for Android phones and Android devices to incorporate satellite communication. It's going to just continue to improve, which all enables us to travel more effectively, which is, which is awesome. You know, let's, let's go to like just fun stuff. So like, what was your favorite new gadget for this year? Like, and it has like, let's pick a non overlandy gadget. Like what was your favorite thing that you got this year? And then what's, what was been, what's been your, like your favorite overlandy gadget? Man, you're putting me on the spot here. You go first. Okay. So this Dometic water system, it's awesome. Yeah. It's like, did it take that long to figure out like the easiest way to have running water in your camper or what? And I use it in the scout. It's charges by USB. The tanks are square and they're smaller. And so I'm super impressed by that thing. Yeah, you get the little the tappy yeah, thing. It's on just top amazing. Too. Yeah, it's amazing. So that one I'm super impressed by. Okay, this is like incredibly obscure, but I really like tools. Motion Pro makes the seal puller that has like a little uh, pokey thing on one side. We're gonna put a link to it. It's okay. like twelve dollars. Yeah, nice. I use it like daily. Nice. Sorry, but that's that's my favorite gadget. Like I the seal puller, the seal puller. I like it. I, I can take radiator hoses off really quickly. It's it's a it's a it's a motorcycle tool. Yep. But I use it for everything. I'm trying to get little. Sorry, I know that that is incredibly boring. No, it's not boring. It's what you like. But that like as far as a gadget, I mean that that's my thing. It's favorite like like thing that I acquired in 22. 
I really love my Leica SL2. Yeah, I thought you'd say that. Um, it's beautiful. Yeah, you know, I, I had shot Canon for a long time and not necessarily having to work or have profit associated to my images yeah. is when I really started to dive into Leica. And I've been in a Leica for probably 10 years now, but on the rangefinder M side. So I finally decided, okay, well, I love the ethos of this company. I love the build quality. I like how the lenses that I'm buying are, I don't want to say investment pieces, because I think the word investment is just way overused. I mean, what you say to your wife to justify buying something, this, <laughs> this car is an investment. I'm like, yeah, okay. I use that one too, buddy. Um, but you know, they, they last for a long time. The, the L mount Alliance is Panasonic Sigma and Leica now. So if there's an obscure, you know, the problem with working with a Leica was always, if you need a particular lens for something, the lens is going to be more than what you're going to, you know, make in a month of shooting sometimes. Yeah, sure. Um, so it was very hard to justify, but it, now if I need to get a, a weird wide angle or a tilt shift or this or that, or, or, or whatever, I can buy the Panasonic version or I can buy the Sigma version. Um, obviously you buy Leica for the glass. I did the 50 millimeter Summilux, the 24 to 90 Vario Elmar and the 90 to 280. And I have the range. You're set. Again, gadgets and, and stuff is cool. But going back to travel is we're young. I'm 32 and we're starting to fill out our home together and we're planning trips. You know, we're going and saying, oh, we want a cactus landscape on, on that wall. Yeah. So now we're going and we're, we're taking the roam route and we're, we're going to create a memory that's on the wall with that's the camera. Awesome. Now, listen, that. like, like as are, are, are a luxury, I get that you don't need that to create good images, but that's my, that's something that you like. That's I like it. Yeah, exactly. Um, in 10 years of collecting rangefinder lenses, I haven't lost a cent on any of them. Yeah, that's good. So, you know, another thing that I was, you know, I look back on the year and I was super impressed by is that three liter turbo diesel in my truck. I was oh, just, yeah. just the other day, I was looking down at my average miles per gallon over a 400 mile sample. Cause you got that in 22 as well, I right? Did, yeah. I did. Well, and actually I got it in 21. So I got it in 21. The miles per gallon was 23 miles to the gallon average over 400 miles. That's on 35s with a three and a half inch lift over a stock height. So what was the lifetime? No, for the last oh, four, for the oh, last four hundred yeah, yeah. miles, for the last four hundred miles, twenty three miles the gallon. That's crazy. It's a full size truck on thirty fives with a three and a half inch lift, <laughs> and crew cab, six and a half foot bed, and twenty three miles of the gallon average. Which in, some of that average included towing that trailer. Yeah, some yeah. of that average is interstate. Some of it's city driving. I mean, I've definitely like when I'm on like a fifty five mile an hour road, I've seen high 20s out of that so like it's pretty amazing to me i i like that truck it's the right size you have a six and a half foot bed yep so you have the same bed that's on the prospector yep. you get better gas mileage well i mean you have, four, you have 40s so yeah that that was that was probably my favorite car that i know it wasn't you know the wagon was my favorite one but my favorite overlandy thing was um I had always wanted a prospector. Yeah. And the, the stars finally aligned for me. You know, that thing continues to impress me. I get 15 to 16 on it. I get about 14 towing a race trailer. It just goes. It's comfortable. It's quiet. It's impressive. Like it, it works. I'm about to re-register it. Yeah. Which is 
something. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's quite the statement. For yeah. You have a car long pickup enough. trucks. We both have pickup trucks. Yeah, and I get it now. Like I never got it before, but now I get it. The best daily driver I've ever had is a full size. They're just American made. It's such a competitive pickup. segment. Yeah. It's good. It's really good. You know, that's how you end up with this three liter diesel thing. Like yeah. it's kind of a shame that Ford's diesel didn't really go anywhere, but it yeah. was also from Jaguar. They didn't pair it with the right transmission, and then they also had a really efficient turbo. V6, so it was really close. Their EcoBoost motor is yeah, it's really good. Is the so, chef's kiss. It yeah, is. so you're not you're not really incentivized. But uh, if I was to compare it to the to the V8 for this same truck, I would never pick the V8. I don't like. It's a I don't like LS3. I don't know. I don't. I don't care for 6. it. Six point two liter. It's thing. it's loud and inefficient. Doesn't feel any more powerful mm. than my diesel, and I get twice the gas mileage. So it's a really nice truck. Super yeah. quiet inside yeah. too. It's like just I'm like incredibly. GMCs are like hermetically sealed. <laughs> yeah, and I like that's it's a luxury truck brand, and it feels yeah. like it when you drive it. It's yeah. just like a really. I got you know air conditioned seats and a heated steering wheel and like it's got heads up display and all the gadgets the heated which, steering wheel is a game changer for us that's for us in arizona that suffer through very very cold temperatures <laughs> yeah some, well it gets cold here there's somebody in north dakota that's watching know, this laughing, and is laughing that's their like, summer high <laughs> yeah exactly cold exactly what do you have going into 2023 for vehicle projects like what like what are you focusing on in 23 You've been tinkering with the, the world's G-wagon slowest G wagon. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. I have a I have a 1991 W four six three G wagon, and for two years only, they made them with a manual transmission. It was imported out of Germany. Yeah, so I, I've been working on this thing, and and it's really just been a you know I pull it in the garage, I crack a beer, and I like okay, like I'm going to clean this door hinge. I'm really trying to kind of bring it back because the cool thing with the G wagon is that they're so well made. Oftentimes, it's just a matter of cleaning and service. Oh, sure. To to keep them going. Yeah, that's how I kept mine going for twelve years. It, it has a hundred horsepower and a hundred and forty two pound feet of torque, and it weighs probably as much as my Prospector. <laughs> they're heavy, they're, over five thousand. Yeah, they're they're like the doors, like you could kick it and it would be fine. Yeah, um, but it has that very eighties Mercedes feel, even though it was made in ninety one, and it's just it's fun to actually like really drive I think, something. I think it's awesome. It puts a smile on my face. It was, um, as far as G-Wagons go, a comparative bargain. You know, G-Wagons, have, particularly during the pandemic, they're the the Gucci handbag. Of SUVs. Of yeah. SUVs. Yeah. The cool thing is in like five or 10 years when all of these people move on to the next thing and all of these G-Wagons are just going to be sitting there on the market, yep. we'll have all these fantastic, you know, trucks they're just always in the weirdest colors for overlanding. Like they're either like black or pearl white. Um, this or one's purple. just yeah, purple or <laughs> something, know. you know, <laughs> obviously Scott and I love G's, but yeah, that's, that's been really fun. And then I also have a, a 1965 BMW R50 slash two that I've been working on. And I keep that in Chicago with my dad. And it's been a really nice project to be able to fly out. And each time we tackle something like we're yeah. working on uh, carburetor tuning now and realize that just, you know, float was bad and kind of the carb slides messed up and we had to buy some new parts for the next time I come back. But I think I'm going to try and ride that Route 66. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. And that one has, it's very slow. Yeah. It's awesome. But it's though. so good. I bought the BMW reissued a, a toolkit for it. And I changed the oil, rebuilt the carburetors, did everything just with the factory, well, quasi-factory toolkit 
that fits in a little compartment behind the the rubber knee pad in the tank. <laughs> so you have this vehicle, you know, you're talking kind of this, the idea of classic overlanding to me has become really my focus, I guess, in 2023, that and, you know, grand touring in classic vehicles. You know, we've talked about on the podcast before that a lot of, a lot more people are doing overlanding than ever. And the world's a lot more paved than it used to be. So that opens up new opportunities for vehicle-based exploration. Totally. Yeah. I'm working on this. The classic road trip. Yeah. The 68 911. So it's the first, there's any Porsche geeks out there. It's the first 911 generation. It's a a short wheelbase. Um, So it's kind of the, I'm not going to say the purest 911, but no radio, no nothing in it. It weighs, it's had some things stripped out of it. It weighs about 2,100 pounds and it's just it's puts beautiful. a smile on my face. And, oh, that's gorgeous. And I'm trying to figure out where it's one we, of the most beautiful cars. I've but ever again, seen. it's, it's all about for me, I do feel fortunate to be in a place to have these cool toys, but if you don't get out and use the cool toys, what's the point? It's all about experiences. It's about the experiences. And I happen to love cars and the experiences that they bring me. And the connections and the the community that comes around it. 2022 is also kind of the year of off-road Porsches, I guess. Yeah, I know. Which is I'm going to hijack this and that talk I don't about Porsches that for a little I don't, bit. That well, we I had the, the 911 Dakar. Yeah, I don't even understand. Um, that was a cool project uh, that has Max Tracks on it. Yeah. Shameless plug. And, uh, you know, this off-road Cayenne thing has become like a movement. Because been. you can go and get a Cayenne. I mean, I kid you not. Like, go on Craigslist or I say Craigslist, but I mean by that is go on Facebook or whatever. You can get a, a pretty decent Cayenne for five to $7,000. And for like a thousand bucks, you can lift it and put 33s on it. And it is like a rally car. I mean, Porsche came out and said that the the lineage of the 959 is the Cayenne. 959 yeah. is this hyper limited production, 1980s super sports car. But those things have like blown up and they're affordable. And I love it. I, I like how the Tacoma is the bougie thing and the Porsche is like cheap and affordable yeah, sure. and it drives some people nuts. Yeah. Um, but they have a locking rear differential. They have low range. Yeah. They're cool. Airbag suspension. And then like Safari 911s. Very, very trendy. Very on trend right now. <laughs> the only Porsche I ever, or Porsche that I ever think about and lust after is that white 68 that you've got. That's an, ama- that's an amazing, beautiful vehicle. My dad warned me about Porsche people when I was young. He's like, oh, all they care about is the build sheet and the specifications. And they go to Porsche club meets in there. And I'm like, I've realized in 2022, I am the Porsche person my dad warned me about. (laughs) But I think, you know, anyways, my my little project, Grand Touring, eccentric kind of classic vehicles, older vehicles that, you know, you can hop in the Prospector or whatever. And you're so isolated from the experience. Not to say that that's bad. But just something new, like we've, we've both been doing this for a while, you longer than I. Well, and I, I'm looking at what project would be next. And I just, I just don't know. I, I think maybe it would be a gladiator. Maybe it'll be a full size heavy duty, but actually right now, I, everything that I'm considering buying or doing goes through this filter of, is this where I want to spend my time? Mm-hmm. And if you spend money, you're also spending time. That's the most important thing to remember is every dollar that you spend or every hundred dollars that you spend is worth X amount of your life, your, your life energy, your, yep. your you don't time. Get it back. You don't get it back. So it costs, let's say a certain number of hours to make a hundred dollars. You know, for some people it's maybe one hour or whatever, but 
it takes a certain amount of your time to get that $100 to then spend it on whatever. And so for me, I'm just, I'm just not feeling motivated to spend time on things. Well, you so, have the freedom to go and do, you know? And it's, but it's been a very intentional process. Yeah. And it's required a lot of, of giving up other things. I don't have a dog, which I love dogs, but I don't have a dog because I want, mm. to, I want to have, you know, I guess the goal for me in 2023 is to just be able to be my own sovereign individual, which mm. means that I get to wake up in the morning and I get to do the things that I love, yeah. which happens to still be my job. Yeah. So I'm not really willing to sacrifice that for any things. So I might, uh, might not have, I might just keep driving the Defender around. That's where I think I like some of these factory capable vehicles is then you could buy something stock, leave it stock, and then just go have experiences with it. It's the Grenadier, man. Yeah, the Grenadier or a Well, gla- honestly, or a Grenadier gladiator. or anything AEV. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's All that stuff's great. Done. And I think that, yep. you know, we really in, in 2022 started to see, you know, just the availability of turnkey packages. Yep. Because it's not really that easy to build something on your own these days. I mean, shops are, you know, Particularly, it's not as bad now, but looking back at the last two years during the COVID thing, if you wanted King Shocks for your truck, it wasn't possible. It was like you you ordered them in, you know, when restaurants were still closed yeah. and you just got them last week. Yeah. It's so attractive to just, I'll take that one. Yep. I'll take, you know, whatever, whatever camper. Have you seen those super tramp campers? Yeah, those are nice. In fact, I used one. It's How great. was it? They it's look great. really yeah, cool. Yeah, super simple, um, really nice build quality, small business. Yeah. They really care about the product. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, very, they're very, very cool. I just I, think I like, like stuff like that, like uh, moving, uh, elevating the truck camper. Yeah, sure. Is going to be an emerging market this year and, and after that. Because it also re- just really works. It really, yeah. really does work. And, and I think 23 is also going to see a lot of people getting back out and traveling. We're seeing a lot of people hitting the road. That I'm very excited about. So there's going to be stories for us to tell on the podcast. And the podcast has done really well. We're getting close to our one millionth download. We're so lucky to have Paula Burr, our producer. Paula's dope. Yeah, dope. She's, yeah she is dope uh, because she makes all of this possible. She keeps me on track, keeps Matt on track. We produce a high quality result because of her care and energy that she puts into the podcast. And Matt, thanks for you being mm. on the podcast and putting in your energy and expressing your opinions. I, 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 think I do that, have opinions. But I like, I like the fact that you say what you think because there's, there's a lot of filters and that doesn't protect anyone. So our Alaska podcast, we got a bunch of feedback that we didn't just say Alaska was perfect. There are times that of the year that Alaska is better than others, but there's also truths that need to be told to help people understand this is what you're gonna, you might experience uh, when you go do this overland trip on your own. So that's where for us, we're gonna continue to focus on a journalistic perspective, which means we're gonna always be open and honest about our experiences even if they're contrary to popular opinions. Yeah, I think think it's important. I do have strong opinions sometimes, but... Well, and I think... So strong opinions, this is my take on it. Strong opinions are critical, but they need to be loosely held. Yeah. So strong opinions firmly held, that's arrogance and ignorance, Mm. right? So that's the flat earther. Strong opinion, strongly held. I think it's the ability to 
change your opinion. That's right. So strong opinion, loosely held, Yeah. which means that I feel strongly about this, or this has been my experience. But if someone shows me something different, or I have a different experience from it, and I'm constantly learning and I'm growing, which means I'm changing my opinions, strong opinions, loosely held is the way that we want to go about it. And that's what allows us to continue to be a student. We get to learn. We get yeah. to continue to grow. I mean, I'm a walking contradiction. <laughs> I, I completely understand that I'm the guy that you know says buy less stuff, but I'm the guy that has a lot of stuff. I get it. But I do both and it's fun. It's about being intentional about our decisions. Yeah. Buy the it? stuff if it gives you the experience. Of course. Or if I it brings you the... joy in some way. We really appreciate you all listening. It's been 2022 has been a formative year for the industry. So much has happened. There's so much to look back on, but your feedback is so critical. Super so, critical. So please, keeps me in check. Please, Otherwise I ramble. <laughs> well, like please reach out. So Matt, people can find you on Instagram. How's that? Matt Explore. That's right. Sometimes I'm not on it though. Yeah, that's okay. Like I'm I'm currently taking like I think it's good to take breaks from of social course media. It is. Yeah, it's super important. And you can reach me scott.a.brady on mm. Instagram as well. You can reach out on any of our social media channels at Overland Journal on Instagram to give feedback, ask questions. We just really want to support our audience and we also want your feedback on the topics that you'd like to hear or things that you'd like to see different. You matter a lot to us. We do yeah. this because we love it and, uh, and we appreciate you all listening and we'll talk to you next time.